Welcome to MuggleCast, your weekly ride into the Wizarding World fandom. I'm Andrew. I'm Eric. I'm Micah. I'm Laura. And this week we are going to discuss the gadgets and gizmos of the Wizarding World, like what makes them tick and what makes them fun. But before we get started with this week's episode, I want to tell you about one way to make yourself extra cozy this holiday season by purchasing a pair of Me Undies. As if I didn't love Me Undies enough, recently they introduced Harry Potter prints. For a limited time, you can get Gryffindor, Slytherin, Hufflepuff, and Ravenclaw undies, socks, and robes. They are fantastic. Seriously, everyone, once you try these, you'll be wondering where they've been all your life. Every once in a while, I go a few days wearing something besides me undies, and then I switch back, and I'm like, whoa, what was I thinking? And that's because their micromodal fabric is not only super soft, but breathable, light, and impossibly cozy. It's unlike anything you've worn before. Get your holiday shopping done from home and delight your favorite Harry Potter or Baby Yoda fan. Plus, Me Undies has a great offer for our listeners. For any first-time purchasers, you get 15% off and free shipping. MeUndies also has their problem-free philosophy. If you're not satisfied with any product for any reason, they'll refund it or exchange it. No caveats, no questions. To get your 15% off your first order and free shipping, go to MeUndies.com slash MuggleCast. That's MeUndies.com slash MuggleCast. We have a fun guest here with us this week, Dave Jorgensen. Hi, Dave. Hi, everyone. I hope I'm the fun guest. <laughs> That's that was you. The same. Okay, yes. good. That'd be really funny if you brought someone else on. Like, and here is the fun guest. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, um, so you're kind of like a big deal on social media, actually. Tell us about yourself. <laughs> well, that's uh, okay. I, I'll, I'll pretend that's true. No, no, no. Yeah, I'm the Washington Post TikTok guy, both sort of a tongue in cheek title, but also it seems to be pretty effective in like explaining what I do, which is make TikToks for the Washington Post. Yeah, very cool job. Yeah, and and I I actually think Andrew I I first kind of connected with you uh, beyond listening to the podcast, which was more of a one way connection uh, on Twitter, <laughs> and uh, you know I, I use Twitter a lot to kind of highlight what I'm doing on TikTok, and it's also just a fun for me it's a it's a fun outlet. I try to be one of the positive people on Twitter, uh, you know, not all the time, but I do my best. So you've actually been a longtime listener of MuggleCast, right? Oh yeah, uh, since 2005, since the beginning, I I can wow. tell you vividly about. I, I can remember my little brick iPod. Uh, it was one of the first video iPods, and it had. I remember the Muggle Cat, like the Half Blood Prince Muggle Cast artwork. That's what yes. I would listen to while mowing the lawn. Like it's all very clear. <laughs> I told I told Eric all about this when I was on his podcast um, uh-huh. for like a full two and a half hours. I couldn't contain myself, and um, <laughs> it, it really like it, it's it's so exciting to be here. And of course, the second That's I'm on this fantastic. podcast after 15 years, my dog is like, I'm gonna just destroy the living room. So I'm trying to. Move <laughs> the rest she's of excited too. Yeah, she's well, yeah, also I, very excited. Dave, you mentioned we connected. I mean, I noticed somehow one day that you followed me and i'm like wait somebody from the washington post is following me i'm gonna yes. give that a follow back <laughs> so that's probably how we connected and, and, as you can imagine or maybe can't i was like oh my god andrew sims followed me back oh I was, stop no no i won't i will i refuse to stop i was very excited okay. uh and i still am <laughs> Um, and then when MuggleCast followed me back, I'm pretty sure I tweeted it out. as like, this is it. I've made it. This is what I wanted. <laughs> well, Dave, I mean, you're like a big deal, too. You were recently named one of Forbes's 30 under 30. Come on, man. That's awesome. <laughs> I, thank you. It was very exciting. Uh, I was really happy for about 
like a minute, and then I was like, "Oh my god, I'm almost 30." So thanks for reminding me, Forbes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're the you're Super the youngest cool. here on the panel, so I okay, mean, cool. Oh yeah, you're I'll bringing youth good. to this panel. <laughs> yeah, well, I was. I, I think I'd also told Eric about this, and I'm sorry if I'm repeating myself, but it like you guys are frozen in time to me as like MuggleCast 2005, which actually to me makes you like way older because i was like this this young kid that was like these are the coolest people i've ever heard and that's still <laughs> yeah, true yeah yeah uh, and he's like yeah that's us uh yeah but, we are uh, cool yeah and <laughs> so that's still i don't you know i'm trying to think of a comparison of like you know everyone someone that had such an influence on you when you were so young is like imprinted in you as that person so well dave um, that's really really nice i mean well, thank, thank you. you for saying that that's that's flattering i uh, as far as i'm concerned i think we're pretty good in terms of today's episode we can wrap it oh up oh my now. god yeah that's it <laughs> we got everything we wanted out of this, this talk was the, thanks this dave. was the promo yeah of course <laughs> no i have to say like i'm a little bit like overwhelmed in a very positive way because uh, your TikToks have really gotten me through this election season. Oh, so um, I'm equally excited for you to be here. Well, yeah. Thank you. I And I need that. Like I need I, as much as I pretend like I try to brush those aside. Like when people tell me that they the, the TikToks have been significant for them in quarantine, I'm really happy because, you know, there's definitely mornings where I wake up and like, what am I going to make today? And, you know, uh, yeah. I'll make an invisibility cloak. So uh, I appreciate the, the feedback. <laughs> yeah. So you do tweet and make some TikToks about Harry Potter too, right? Oh, yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I've i had this Harry Potter thread for I, like maybe a little over a year and I just come back to it every so often. And the whole point is just like picking apart things that happened in Harry Potter that yeah. make no sense. But in a way that like is clearly for the love of the books. But I love right. to just like really just that sort of situational humor of like, OK, why we didn't talk about how Ron didn't get therapy after Peter Pettigrew was in his pocket. for like, <laughs> I, I was looking at important. that thread yesterday. It's like 100 tweets long at this point. You're pointing yeah, out a lot of inconsistencies. Right. And I, I, like the worst and best part is every so often I repeat myself without realizing. Like I go back and look at, oh, my God, I already said this. Like I've already, I already had, had this had revelation. This I'm yeah. thinking about this way too much. <laughs> yeah. Have you yeah. seen any good Harry Potter TikToks recently since you're on there so much? I, I have. Um, I, I wish I could direct you to a specific. Like, you could honestly just look up, um, like, my first day at Hogwarts or something like that. And it's like my new favorite TikTok Harry Potter genre. And there are many. And it's <laughs> okay. the sort of idea of just like if, you know, me being the only black girl at, at Hogwarts or like it's it's basically putting people in Hogwarts that you don't see in the books. And it's really funny because it's not... <laughs> It's not like it's to me, it's the best version of satire because it's it's like you kind of laugh. And then afterwards you go, oh, wait, that was a really good point. Uh, so it's a really fun sort of like, you know, just different takes on if this person were at Hogwarts, which is exactly what my whole Twitter thread is about anyway. So, yeah, I definitely encourage looking up that. We were making uh, we were having fun with the Potter one that Tom <laughs> Felton kicked off yes. a month or two ago. So good. good. One. Yeah. <laughs> I, I never would have expected him to be kind of my I, I love all the actors that are in the movies, but he's probably one of my favorite sort of like post Harry Potter people. I don't know. He always makes. Yeah. Laugh. Yeah. And he still celebrates Harry Potter, which I think is really cool. That must be some it. of the, I think that's a big part of it. Some of the actors, they I think they try to move on like Dan Radcliffe. Uh, but right. Tom Felton's still like, let's still talk Harry Potter. Sure. Let's <laughs> do it. Come on. Exactly. Anyway, so like I said, we are going to discuss the gadgets and gizmos of the Wizarding World, and we thought that Dave would be a great guest since he's passionate about Harry Potter and the show, and this is a fun discussion to be had. And I know, Eric, you came up with this discussion, so why don't you uh, take it away? Yeah, so what is, uh, I guess, a gadget? We should define that for starting this discussion, but I, I had a very loose definition while kind of figuring out what qualifies and what doesn't. It's basically a magical device, a magic 
augmented device. So it's something that maybe we do have in the muggle world, but there's a magic aspect to it. Usually handheld, um, but not always. And it, uh, I guess, exists to improve the life of wizards, helps them go about doing their stuff. It's kind of like if an iPhone were magical, right? That an iPhone is such a cool technological, you know, communications device and it has our apps and helps with organization. That kind of thing is like a gadget. And we see it in the wizarding world. Usually it's a lot more uh, simplistic, right? It's, it's, it's something mm -hmm. that has a particular charm on it, like Hermione's beaded bag. Oh, an extension charm, things like that. So it's kind of a, a, a wide gamut, but I've broken it down into 13 uh, gadgets that we're going to be talking about today. I think that's a good number. Yeah, a, a good number. Yes, this episode is cursed. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, I added one. So it's 14. So we're not. Oh, cursed whew, okay. Whew. Good. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so we're going to be talking. So each one and Dave, I know you have fun with this. Uh, how does it work? We're going to be uh -huh. asking, <laughs> how, how does it work? Because a lot of these, as I was going through, it's like, wow, a lot of these do not actually make sense. Um, also, <laughs> it, do we like it? Is it a cool gadget? Do we think that it's like, like if we had it, would it help us out? Uh, would we want one of these? And also at the end, like kind of related, but not how much would we pay to have one in real life? Like how much is this worth to us as a gadget? And mm -hmm. so, yeah, those are going to be, that's really the only bones of the discussion. We're going to go kind of chronologically, uh, through the books. Okay. All right. Let's do it. So let's start with, uh, at the very beginning. It's a very good place to start. Chapter one, we see the Deluminator, or what is referred to in the chapter as the put-outer. It's Dumbledore's put-outer. And at first, it seems to exist to just take all the lights from a street, say Privet Drive, and uh, basically allow a wizard to go forth unnoticed under the cover of darkness. And that's, mm -hmm. you know, pretty simple. Uh, basically, he clicks it one each time to get the light out. And then at the end, he clicks it and they all flutter back to uh, the street posts where they were. And in the movie, I love the effect. Mm -hmm. I think this is a beautiful kind of a thing. And the fact that they changed the name of it was very bizarre to me. Yeah. Yeah. So it's referred to as the Deluminator, I think, for the first time in the will reading at the, when Scrimjar is like, this uh -huh. is what this is called. Official. It's like the official name versus, I, I think what it is too, J.K. Rowling's humor in chapter one, uh, because she just showed something that put puts out the light, is like, Dumbledore, click the put outer, and it's all in caps. It's like, you know. So she didn't she, feel like naming it properly. Yeah, it was, <laughs> she was, it was being like identified by its to, function, which kind of is quirky. To be fair, I think chap <laughs> the point of the first chapter of the series is to introduce us to this world from the viewpoint of a muggle, right? So like, right. what would a muggle call uh, that thing? Yeah. Whatever. The yeah. thingy the that removes the light. That's what you should have called it. Thinking too, it is Sorcerer's Stone, so maybe a bit of a child's book versus Deathly Hallows. Maybe she felt she could grow up the put out her a little bit. <laughs> grow up the words, well, age up the I words. Deluminator is like proper Latin, basically. Like it's it's yeah. it's like a bit too much for book one, right? You know. To me, Dumbledore just stole the clapper. Oh my God. <laughs> Thank you for saying this because that, that's what I was thinking going into this. And I was like, I'm not going to be that person who's like, I'll do it, Laura. I'm here for you. Who's crapping all over the Deluminator. Yeah. <laughs> uh, to me, the put outer is kind of like she she wrote something just to remind herself to change it and then forgot. And they published the book. She's like, okay, I got to bring this up again later so I can change it. All right. You guys, I wasn't done with that one. But yeah. Okay. 
<laughs> well, okay, she does change it up quite a bit, so it does come back in book seven. But here it, it is shown to have an additional, like, way unexpected uh, feature. And by the way, Scrimjar, I think, says it's a device of Dumbledore's own making. So they don't really have, you can't get this at the local Walgreens, like, or at the, um, whatever the wizarding equivalent of Sharper Images. Uh, <laughs> this is something that Dumbledore made himself. And we see that when Ron uses it to get back to Harry and Hermione. And basically he clicks the, the, the put outer, uh, in his bedroom. He's missing them. He thinks he hears her voice emanating from the put outer. He clicks it once. A light goes out. Another light appears outside his window and then it flies into him. I'm summarizing, but then Ron is confident that he will be able to apparate to the, without knowing where Harry and Hermione are directly to them. And more or less that works. So the, the, some, there's something here about light and, and love, right? Two huge, like love is such a huge theme in Harry Potter, but Dumbledore's little put outer has some kind of like way supernatural, um, love connection thing. So when the light comes in Ron, it just kind of steers him back to <laughs> Harry and Hermione. It's yeah, it's like it's like the coordinates he needs, like he's thinking about them when he apparates, but bef he's been trying to reach them ever since he left them. Right. Yeah. So so but he can't because they're under such, you know, secrecy and protection. But because Hermione, I think, in a moment of weakness, talks about Ron, it's the first time that she mentions his name in that whole time since he left and he hears it. And that's when he kind of gets the idea that like, OK, this this thing of light is going to help me get back to them. And it's mm. kind of very intuitive. But so Dumbledore, like this put outer either always had that feature or Dumbledore added it throughout the years, knowing that he wasn't always going to mm. be around and he was going to give it to somebody in as well. And changed the name and got the patent and all that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I love that this is a multi-purpose tool though. The, you know, it, it takes out the light, but it also steers you back to your loved ones in times of trouble. Well, and I it's always beautiful. think, how are they related, right? How is light related to and this may be overthinking it but what do we do on the show you know how is light relating to don't you feel lighter when you have love in your life or when you think about a loved one don't you feel you know like a million uh, bucks it seems yeah. like the the sort of um what's the i don't know the, the cure is not the right word but it's the it's the opposite of what the horcrux was doing to him too like yeah. literally the description wise it seems like that's it's what brought him back versus what pushed him away that's a good point dumbledore must have created this fairly early on because didn't he use it in Crimes of Grindelwald, or was that scene cut? Oh yeah, he yeah, gives yeah, it yeah. to Newt, and uh, and yeah, or no, it's it. He uses it, yeah, yeah, yeah in Crimes of Grindelwald. With Newt, right. they're out on the street. I think I don't know if yeah. we see it. I guess we. I do. think I think it was in a preview, but it, maybe it never made it to the final cut of the movie. I wonder what it was called back then. <laughs> Put outer or something even more. Just simple. a lighter. Like <laughs> I, we kind of touched on this, but how does it work? Do we think there's, is there any other kind of magic that we know is like this? No. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to get into this as we go through, but there's like, in order for this to function, that like there, there has to be something magical associated with light in general, right? Like light has to have like a, like a device ID. Like when you, I'm trying to think of like, you know, cause the magical world you know, to snuff it out has to like first identify what it is you're you're getting at. So I don't know. It's it's a very I guess Lumos brings light and Nox extinguishes it's, light. So maybe it's a way of doing Nox, but not with your wand. You've extended the field of range, right? It's it's sort of a, like Patronus without all the effort. Like he doesn't have to <laughs> think of happy thoughts. It just 
happens. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of like a light vacuum. I don't think we're actually going to be able to explain how some of these work. Uh, oh, to no, an extent, no, we will you know? fall short. But even just the thinking about either Nox or Patronus, something similar like that, I think there's value in saying, oh, it's it kind of does work like that. So mm -hmm. um, is this cool or not cool? I'm going to say not cool because really? as somebody who believes wizards should not be hiding in the shadows like Dumbledore does with this device <laughs> in, in book one, I, I can't approve of using such a thing. So not cool. <laughs> I, I'm team not cool, but not at all for that reason. But I love that. Re um, I, it's good. I, Micah, I'm so sorry. It's the exact reason that you might think it is cool, which is that I feel like it is a Swiss Army knife, but... When you add all these things, it's like the pair of scissors in the army knife. Like you're never going to use it. It's just kind of I'd I'd rather I'd rather have just been this pure device that that lit up lamps. For me, that's what I wanted. I just wanted a really cool put outer. Uh, I don't I don't know why I'm so purist in that way, but that's that's how I feel about it. <laughs> I'm also going to have to pile on here and be on the team not cool <laughs> uh, gang oh because God. I'm going to add to what Dave just said. It seems like it should be a really simple device that does a very simple thing for you. And we find out after seven books, it's actually a security and privacy risk. Like whoever has it can just <laughs> apparate to wherever somebody is, even if they don't want to be found. Well, no, they have to love that person. <laughs> well, okay, stalkers can love people, I guess. Like, uh, <laughs> oh, they uh, love them. Ooh. I'm, look, Dumbledore does not do anything simple. He does nothing simple. So I like that after seven books, we get this secondary purpose of the put-outer. Is it a little convenient? Sure, but she needed to bring Ron some, some way back to the crew. So I'm going to go team cool. I might be the only one. I'm going to go team not cool. Sorry, <laughs> yeah. Eric. Uh, it's a miracle we kept reading these books after that first chapter. <laughs> we were all unimpressed. I put it down for 10 years and then I podcast probably back. <laughs> That's not true. Here's the other thing. I think, Andrew, you mentioned security. or Laura it, Laura? Laura, you mentioned yeah. security. Sorry. Dumbledore creates tools that are security issues, which is no surprise considering he runs a school, which is a security nightmare. So no, it's not mm -hmm. cool. This flows into how much is it worth? How much would we pay for this? I think that, the, I mean, this device, I think even Scrimger says it's priceless. Like it's something that Dumbledore made before he died. It's probably the only one in its existence. I don't necessarily find myself needing to turn out a bunch of lights all at once, like not that are like connected to a switch. So I don't <laughs> know that I'd pay too much for it, but I'd say around, you know, $50. Where would you buy it? So. In a pawn shop? Yeah, like if I found it somewhere, I'd be like, "Oh, this is this is pretty." Morgan and Burke. It's a black market item. I don't think mm. I could put a price on it because they would yeah. want like, they would want like a head for this item Go or ahead. something. I think I would pay like for even though I'm on Team Not Cool, I think I'd pay a lot for it because I I feel like I want to just have it. You know, for the fact that you just said it's priceless, the fact that it's one of a kind makes me want it more. You know, it's that whole <laughs> trick of the exactly. Mind. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's the first gadget done. I think we just deflated Eric because we I'll all said his pick, first I'll one was not cool. Cooler gadgets, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> uh, damn, I have to quick rethink everything. Um, here's a cool one. So uh, we learned about this in book one. It's wizard's chess. Yes. Mm -hmm. This qualifies as a gadget or gizmo that's magically enhanced because although we have chess as muggles, these chess figures are imbued with nothing short of life and sentience. <laughs> and there's a lot of weird stuff going on. But mm -hmm. basically... You have these chess sets and they 
will criticize you if you suck at chess. But uh, they actually move and destroy each other. And at the end of the game, we assume there's like a repair process. But yeah, it's 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 like a lifelike version of chess. Chess is supposed to simulate king's battle on the battlefield in medieval times between kings and queens, um, kings and other kings. And so here it is, but it's alive. I love it. I love it. So exactly for what you just said. I like the idea that I don't know if they really say this in the books, but that maybe some of them are actually giving bad advice because they have they they have their own motives. Like I'm a knight, I can do this. I just love the idea <laughs> that you would have to not only be playing your opponent, but you'd have to be playing your pieces to make sure they're not like giving you terrible advice because of their own self interest in killing other knights or whatever. I, I, oh my I god, it. I never thought of like a bloodthirsty knight from a wizard's chess set. That would be amazing. <laughs> yeah, I would buy that one immediately. It was like because Ron's set does heckle him. Like he, or or is it Harry's? Harry, Harry gets heckled by Ron's set, I think. Yes. So, something like that. Because um, Ron is actually a chess pro, as we learn. His his efforts down in uh, Beneath the School uh, save them all at the end of book one. But, um, and then it never comes back again. Uh, but yeah, Wizard's Chess is cool. I think how it works has something to do with transfiguration, right? I mean, that, it seems to be McGonagall's branch of magic that really brings the chess pieces to life. And the large chess set was her version or her entry into the protecting of the stone. I think this is a very cool one as well. This is one actually I could see existing in the real world one day. Pieces being able to move by themselves on a board. I don't know about fighting each other or maybe insulting you, because if the board can understand where each piece is on the board, I think this could exist in the real world. So I'm surprised it does. does. I'm looking on Amazon. There is a $350 (sighs) digital revolutionary chess computer set Uh, that'll talk to you as you move pieces around. So... There you go. There have been games that try and do sort of something similar. But as far as like full on animation, there was a a Lego chess 3D game that came out that kind of did this. And I thought it was cool. Also worth noting, there is a Harry Potter chess set that looks just like the wizard's chess in um, in the movies. And I have this and it's very good, but it does not obviously come to life. Um, <laughs> not yet. But would recommend that. Yeah. <laughs> also, uh, this is a great item to bring up because chess is super hot right now. Thanks to the Queen's Gambit on Ooh, Netflix. Haven't yes. seen it. Want to watch? Um, yeah, that sounds amazing. So, are we? Are, the other thing that I think of it uh, as being valuable is, you know, we see these characters for humor are at odds with their chess sets, but I feel like I would learn a lot. Like I, cause I, I consider myself to be pretty good at chess, but I am not strategic at all. I'm always reactionary. So if I had a chess set and of course your, your pieces want to win, um, I would look to be informed. I feel like I could really, really learn and understand chess if my own set were talking to me and maybe it would be a little, I don't know, <laughs> angry at first, uh, if I were that bad, mm. but you know, it, it's a really good tool. It's a good educational tool mm-hmm. yeah 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 i think also for for me as someone that that likes to i like to kind of learn on my own before i you know with any game i want to be really good at it before i take on an opponent yeah <laughs> i like to imagine that this would also have a sort of um play yourself thing where the, the other side is just has a you know computer quote right. unquote playing against you so you can mm-hmm. practice and then with your pieces telling you what's a good idea like i love that whole concept does a simple Reparo spell fix all the pieces that have been shattered? Because I don't know if I want to be shelling out money every time <laughs> I play I a mean, game. I, well, Ron has mm. like, what, Bill's old set or something. So like they 
they re- they probably repairo themselves. Oh, like okay. I don't even think you need I don't even think you need to be good at repairo. I think that they are bewitched in such a way that when the game is over they just reset. That's my imagination, but you know, these sets we're going to get into like how much we'd pay for them, but a lot of them tend to be passed down we see. Uh you know, Ron for instance is like he inherited his uh it was one of his brother's old sets. So when you get a new one you pass it down, that kind of thing. So there's like a lot of replay value in them, I guess, is what I'm saying. Anyway, uh, do we all think it's cool? Do we have our first un- unanimous this is cool gadget? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Cool. Super cool. I love chess anyway. Um, and also, you brought up a really good point about the replay value and sort of the passing down of sets through the family. It really seems like it allows you to build strategic thinking through being a general of sorts and really forming a bond with these pieces, which like kind of sounds weird if you take this out of context. They're but, plastic, like... <laughs> Laura. <laughs> but... Or stone. Or yeah. stone. Mostly stone. But no, no, no. What I mean is that, you know, over time, like imagine getting a chess set as a child and growing up with that. Um, I think that this is one of the areas actually where Ron's character development suffers because we see early on in the series that he's a pretty good strategic thinker. Yeah. And then... We don't really see it again. Yeah. Not really. So I, I'm team cool for that reason. Uh, what would we pay for a set of our own? Three to fifty dollars on Amazon. <laughs> yeah, right. I was just gonna I was gonna say the the cheap one, which is thirty six dollars yeah. on Amazon. But yeah, oh, I think three hundred fifty for that uh higher end one. Okay. Okay. Um I, here's what I'm gonna say though. In the wizarding world, this type of chess set is like a normal chess set, so presumably you can get reasonably priced versions of them. Yeah, that was my assumption too. It, yeah, it seems like they're it's just a regular regular game. So like maybe fifty bucks, like to get a nicer little bit of a nicer set, but not break the bank. Yeah, because they're so ubiquitous, they're everywhere. Which leads you to believe, like, what do these chess pieces do when your player isn't around? Like when they're not playing? Like, are they allowed to just wander around? They they talk <laughs> to to Crumb and his remaining limbs and. <laughs> Is it like a Toy Story or Indian in the Cupboard situation? Probably <laughs> yes. Lock them up. Don't trust them. They just smack talk each other the whole time, <laughs> like the portraits. Exactly. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's move on to book two. The Flying Ford Anglia. This is an interesting one for talking about is it alive or not. But uh, it's a car that has had the ability to fly uh, given to it by Arthur Weasley. And also it can turn invisible. And in some instances, it seems to respond to Harry and Ron's improper driving of it. And uh, by book five, uh, it becomes totally wild um and it lives sort of in the forest and kind of goes about of its own volition and weren't we supposed to see it again and we never did was i think that, that's right was that another false jk rowling promise <laughs> i think i remember this book seven will end with harry flying in the car is that what she said <laughs> it comes out to fight the giants <laughs> just yeah the last word was actually the last word was supposed to be car not scar but she she bailed <laughs> oh. on <both> <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, I really want to know what Arthur did. Like, I love the idea that Arthur Weasley, Arthur Weasley, who loves tinkering with muggle items, went so far as to do everything that we see that this car does, but kind yeah. of asks, what spell would make this car, like, drive itself? It's not enough that it flies and goes invisible. Right. It, it does it have also- a mind of its own. 
Yeah. I like that about it. I, I don't know if it's meant to be like a commentary on artificial intelligence or anything. No, but no, I, no, no, no. But I do like this idea that it's just this whole, it's beyond Arthur's control at this point and Harry and Ron's. And I just like that it's sort of this wild card of a of a gadget, I guess you could say. Yeah. What's also kind of interesting about it is that there's always been this dream of flying cars in the real world. And maybe J.K. Rowling was kind of commenting on that possibility in the future. I, I think even 30 years ago, there was talk of like, oh, there's going to be flying cars by the year 2020, which, of course, we are still extremely <laughs> far away from. This is another one where, that I can see existing in the muggle world one day. Hopefully a little more reliable, though. <laughs> you know what, Eric, I think Dr. Brown used a, a time turner and consulted with Arthur. Oh, I, th- I think he did. I think he did. Oh, that's a Back to the Future reference. It is. Yes. Oh, I'm on it. I'm just trying to figure just, out how just to Just for anybody it. who doesn't know. <laughs> 1989's uh, Back to the Future Part 2 showed flying cars by the year 2015. Oh, well, we are very behind schedule. I mean, yep. the Cubs won the World Series. They got like two things right, at least. <laughs> <laughs> but the, actually, Dave, what you were saying about, I, I think, too, that people personify their car, right? People people give their cars names uh, and treat it like it has a personality. So I think it's a natural extension to then have J.K. Rowling incorporate a car that is actually partially alive. Yeah, I, I love that. Speaking to the car's personality, we have to remember like it went wild in the forest, but it saw that Harry and Ron were in trouble. And it was like, okay, I'm coming, you know, like, and then it booted them out. Yeah. <laughs> At yeah. Least, is that a movieism that it booted them out? I don't recall. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it seems to have some moral compass as well, which is very mm-hmm. cool. However, I would not be on Team Cool for this car because it's a beat up <sighs> old car. It's just not modern. Yes, it's cool that it flies, but it's just but it's, it's it, so weasley. It's not a though. car I would want to be seen in driving down Hollywood Boulevard. <laughs> oh my god! It's just because you hate the Weasleys. <laughs> well, that too, I, you know. The car itself is so Weasley, though. It you know it's beat up. It's old. Actually, I think we have to call this car cool because it's in our album art. Oh, Ooh. we're obligated. You Stan Brand. Best that mistake ever. Photoshop. <laughs> Love it. I was going to call it cool anyway. Okay. I'm fully team cool. <laughs> My only thing is that I wish it had appeared more. I mean, you guys kind of alluded to it, but I wish it had just every time they're in the forest, it's just like, hey, what's up? And then drives away. It doesn't even have to. It doesn't have to be a plot. It just could just just you know just drives by. That's it. Just like a whatever. I mean, where was it when Harry and Hermione went into the forest with Umbridge and Hermione was like accidentally prejudiced towards the centaur is like um, would it come in real clutch in that moment so that Hermione wouldn't put her foot in her mouth I specifically remember <laughs> reading that and thinking where where is that car <laughs> where is it come on yeah. out it could have just run over Umbridge and then they'd all be safe yeah what would we pay for this car I mean Andrew mentioned it is an older model it's kind of rusted well where did know? Arthur get it first off did he steal it from a junkyard that's a good <laughs> question like yeah maybe maybe it was at else? work Maybe it's one of those things where nobody claimed it, so Arthur was like, I'll take it. Or maybe he just found it and fixed it up, like any good American does. They love to fix up cars. Yeah, it's such it's such an Arthur thing, though, right? He's like the dad working on the car in the garage. It's it's a muggle thing to do, so it's right up his alley. And right. Molly would just be like, oh, that Arthur, he's spending so much time in the garage. He's such a dad. <laughs> he loves his car more than me. <laughs> I remember that I line. I feel like Arthur <laughs> would be... <laughs> 
delighted if he knew a muggle wanted to buy this car off of him. Mm -hmm. And he would accept whatever amount of money we wanted to give (laughs) him, like muggle money. And then he'd take it to Molly and be like, look what I did. And she's like, hey, dumbass, we can't spend this. (laughs) He gave me a William Henry Harrison dollar coin (laughs) for this. (laughs) Puppy, you're such a dumbass. (laughs) Oh, my God. Arthur could not give this car to a muggle, though. They could not be trusted with a flying car. It would car. break it would the statute of secrecy. Disa- well, that and it would just end in disaster. They would drive it into the ground or people or something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason why we don't actually have flying cars, and it's because people are bad enough at driving on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Moving on to book three, we have a couple gadgets. The first is the monster book of monsters. I call this a gadget because it's clearly been bewitched. It is otherwise just a book. It's like, you know, when you, you were kids, did you have any of those books that play sound where you push a button oh, yeah. and it's like a companion to the book? It's mm-hmm. like that. This is what I think. But of it when tries I, to eat you. But it tries <laughs> to eat you. Plot twist. It's actually a monster. And I love the, not the alliteration, what is it? But, but that it's a, a book about monsters and it's shaped and is like a monster. I love that. I love that creativity that comes into thinking of it. Yes. However, this is an extremely dangerous product. And while I appreciate the idea, I cannot say that this is cool. It's just dangerous. I how mm-hmm. why would you want to read from this book? It could bite your hand off at any moment. <laughs> well, to me, it's cool in concept, but I I I'm, I don't think I'm alone when I maybe that maybe I am alone. I would get so annoyed with Hagrid whenever I would reread that part. He's like, oh, you just tickle the spine, like Hagrid. You could have told so many people this. Days ago, weeks ago, you could have told the the Put bookshop book owner. List. Yeah, it could have been it could have been right there, but you know, whatever. Yeah, I'm so glad you said that, Dave, because that's exactly the point I was going to make. It's just another example of how Hagrid is not a good teacher. <laughs> yeah. Like he's assigning books that can potentially do serious damage to his students without any thought whatsoever. And, and who are the publishers that refuse to put a disclaimer <laughs> on the, the you know the front of the book? A lot of a lot of things like you know. A, a simple sticker or something saying you got to stroke it. At least inform the bookseller who's got several bandages on each of his hands. He's <laughs> takes one look at Harry's like Hogwarts, ugh, <laughs> and then goes to put special gloves on to get the the monster book of monsters. I enjoy seeing it at the Wizarding World theme park where they have it in a cage where it belongs because it's deadly. <laughs> <laughs> but am I going to hold one of those one here things? Somewhere. I, no. Yeah. I mean, I guess there's better ways of infor- like better books that are going to teach you without the risk of injury. I don't think it'll bite your hand off, but it will certainly hurt. Do we know how long it like between spine ticklings? It la- like it's a good <laughs> question. <laughs> how often are you tickling the spines? <laughs> if I were reading it, I would just be tickling it nonstop. <laughs> That's what I do with all my books anyway. In my mind, it's kind of soft like rabbit fur. And so you'd want to like... Stroke the spine what? a lot. Yes. Yeah. It's like really soft fur. You ever, Do you like stroke all, rabbits, like, Eric? We all have pets here. You ever pet a dog and it's like, you know, a nice experience? Maybe right. it's a little warm under the fur. So, you know. A little warm. It's a pleasant experience. That's actually how I got my dog to calm down because I just started tickling her spine and she <laughs> fell right asleep. <laughs> Dogs do love scratches. Anyway, but yeah, so it's probably pretty dangerous. Also, monster is an offensive term, and I do not appreciate that. I bet all of the uh, creatures discussed in the book would not uh, like being called a monster. Oh, well, I mean, look at it, though. What else are you going to call it? It's a monster. 
It's horrific. I'm sorry, Monster Book of Monsters, but you're a beast. So I'm willing to join Team Not Cool because I think it should come with a disclaimer. Is anybody on Team Cool? Oh, I think it's cool. I just think it's dangerous. Yeah. I'm on Team Cool from a distance. <laughs> I also am at a distance wearing sunglasses looking at it, but not near. Yeah, I'm going to be on Team Cool. Oh, wow. So yeah. I, I actually thought I was, you know... Joining the crowd and going not cool, but I'm the only one. So okay, it's great. like, <laughs> no, I'll join not cool. <laughs> oh, okay. As yeah. it, the point was already made, it's cool from a distance. It's cool because it's dangerous and lots of dangerous <laughs> things are cool. Oh, I think it's uh, probably a couple of galleons in the book. Haven't looked it up, but uh, what would we pay? Yeah. You know, like, you know, $20, maybe $30. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be interested in what a handy hand-me-down one would be like. Like, has it been tickled enough that it's a little more tired? And you could like, a, <laughs> is this the case where you go to the used book part of your school store or whatever? And you, you could, oh, does yeah, it come yeah. with a little info sheet to to share just how dangerous it's been over the years? Because I imagine that some of these books have worse temperaments than others. <laughs> People that have checked it out and lost hands, they've, they've written it. Yeah. In. <laughs> Speaking of gadgets, we've got a gadget for your mouth to tell you about. Quip is back to sponsor this week's episode. So look, once you notice them, you see them everywhere. Scattered on the sidewalks, the streets, and the parks. You know what I'm talking about, those dirty plastic floss picks. Quip's new refillable floss pick fixes that by making on-the-go flossing simple and sustainable. You know Quip, the electric toothbrush you hear about all the time, but it's their sleek, reusable floss pick you'll want to use next. The durable handle is easy to guide, restrings with a click, and comes with a compact mirrored dispensing case for when you're on the go. A single refill pod replaces over 180 single-use plastic flossers, so it's better for your teeth and the environment. And if you're not a pick person, that's okay. Quip also has refillable floss string that expands to clean. Pair your floss with the perfect electric toothbrush for adults and kids. Quips feature timed sonic vibrations with guiding pulses for a full and even clean. That is very important, as your dentist will tell you. This holiday season, check out Quips' exclusive deals. And if you go to getquip.com slash muggle right now, you will get your first refill free. That's your first refill free at getquip.com slash muggle. Spelled G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash muggle. Quip. Better oral health made simple. Moving on to possibly the most useless gadget of all time, the pocket sneakoscope. So Harry was given one, uh, a small one, actually, um, by Ron while he was in Egypt. And it kind of like, OK, it goes off and zooms around when there's a problem, when somebody near you is being untruthful. But Harry is in one of the biggest boarding schools in England, and it really doesn't seem to have a built-in capacity to tell you what is amiss. Um, it's kind of like the Rememberal, right? The Rememberal, we didn't mention from book one, shows up, lets you know you've forgotten something, but there's no means by which it tells you what you've forgotten. The Sneakoscope is like that. It doesn't really seem to indicate anything useful. It's, it's a useless object, I feel. I'm with you. It it feels like it's something it's almost like an identifier. It's like that's how you know if someone's paranoid, if they own them. Like that seems to be yeah. more <laughs> Oh, it informs the character of the of the people who own it more than it does yeah. like act as a useful item. I feel like there's things in the real world that do that. Uh I can't think of one. Oh, maybe it's like uh remember when Bluetooth headsets when it was just the one ear and everybody was like oh if you have that you're a prick uh yes. <laughs> right people looked funny wearing those <laughs> yeah it's kind of like that where it's like oh you have a sneakoscope oh you're paranoid okay great 
Um, yeah, I agree. But honestly, the magic behind this is pretty interesting, right? Because it seems to be a device that is clued into the id or or like the inner thoughts and inner motivations of people around you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do like the sort of like, uh, what's the word? Like, it's not... I can't, it's a very obvious word I'm not thinking of, but it doesn't necessarily define the evil around you. It just kind of like, I like that sort of magic where it's not just straight on the nose. Like it's just kind of telling you something is amiss. That's, that's fun for reading a book. It's not fun in real life. I don't think, <laughs> but it's a nice mystery in a Harry Potter book. Yeah. Actually, Hermione thinks it's cool enough to give Harry another one for his 17th birthday. Very so, cool. I mean, that's in, that's in Deathly Hallows. She's giving it his gifts as, as late as Deathly Hallows. So I guess he can use it while he's on the road. Figure out if anybody's. It, it reminds yeah. me of when my oldest sister turned 18, like the, the Christmas before she went to college, my parents just got her a bunch of suitcases. And I always thought that was so funny. <laughs> <laughs> Suitcase is like, very useful. Road, yeah, kid. that's what it's like. It's like, well, you're an adult and things are going to get real tough. <laughs> so that's, that's what it feels like. Gifts get boring when you get yeah. this old. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Where are we landing on team cool or team not cool? Not cool. I like what you said about what it says about the owner. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, not cool. Yeah, not cool. I, I feel like also y- you should be able to trust your gut instincts, you know? Yeah. Like you shouldn't need Don't this. leave it up to a device. People could be, yeah, people rely less on their intuition, which comes from a lot of evolved factors if they have something like a sneakoscope to tell them. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm going to go team not cool. I agree. It seems like it's something that it, it also doesn't tell you exactly what I know this got brought up, but what's wrong? Like what's happening that you should be reacting to? Who should you not be trusting or why should you not be trusting them? Is it serious? Is it not serious? No pun intended. Um, you know, and I just think that it it kind of just, it doesn't pass the test for me. So we okay. all, if we were gifted one of these, would probably re-gift it in a couple of years, right? <laughs> yes. It wouldn't pay a sickle. <laughs> <laughs> Not one sickle. Uh, but here's something I think we'd all pay a lot for, possibly. <laughs> Let's talk about it. A time turner. Yes. You guys, this is this is also introduced in book three, of course. Hermione uses it. It allows the wearer to travel short distances in time. For now. It's, yeah, for now, it, there's a discrepancy between that and the Cursed Child as far as how back you can go. Although the one in Cursed Child is a prototype. So I don't think it's contradictory. I think on the show, we talk about how contradictory it is. I don't think it's contradictory. But also, unlike the book, in the uh, Cursed Child, they appear to change the past. It turns out in the book that they don't actually change anything. It's just that their interpretation of events that occurred the first go-around were wrong. So time in the third book is a closed loop. So if you go back in time, here's the catch. You can't really change anything. But if you had a different perspective on what happened, you can be proven wrong. So whether or not you can change the past is kind of up for debate, I think. I'm very split on this device because it is cool. But it's so dangerous being able to mess with time. So I almost don't want to call it cool because I don't want to encourage this type of behavior. <laughs> Any I mean, listeners with a time travel device. Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> We're very influential here. We must be cautious. I like it for kind of the reasons you already sort of laid out, which is to me, it's like the perfect thing I can point to and what I like so much about the books and did not like about Cursed Child, which is that it's much more of uh 
a, like a much smaller, smarter plot device that makes for such a great book. Whereas in the play, it's just like, we're traveling 20 years and anything could happen. And now it's and like all the time travel rules are, go- I don't know. I just really like the sort of measured, you know, realistic version of if time travel were real, that it could only be a few hours that you would travel back. And that just makes a lot more sense to me and is a lot more fun. I agree. I'm trying to think if I would, I'm trying to think what I would use it to do. Like you, you can't, like if you go back in time, you can't become like yourself again. So you'd have to get your old self out of the way if you wanted to influence events directly in your life. And if you wanted to influence something else, like what would you go and do? Like what, how would you get the motivation for that and be like, I need to go back in time and do this. So maybe oh buying a winning lottery ticket would probably be the 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 one thing i could think of otherwise it's just like what hermione uses it for attend even, more school classes yeah like, get more it, done in a day Eric, <laughs> if, you, if you get your old self out of the way though you're assuming you're the same age or that you look exactly the same I yeah mean, i look very different than i did three hours ago <laughs> <laughs> i think i'd use Showered it for one you know i always <laughs> thought about hermione in this book being so exhausted and i was like why like you can go back in time and take a nap. Yeah, that's what I totally. would use it for. I love naps. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just extra naps. Well, it, I mean, I, I sports games are an obvious. Like I, I don't know if it's ever been at all confirmed, but like the idea that Fred and George somehow got a time turner, you know, seems to not be implied, but a possibility with them knowing yeah. the events of the right. World Cup. That would be a very good use of it. I mean, illegal sports betting, yeah. gambling, self enrichment. I agree. I think that that's kind of where the this device skews on the moral ground. Yeah, but we're we're all assuming things are going to be done for good, whereas there are plenty of people who would go back in time and use it for true nefarious purposes. So, in solidarity, do we all say it's not cool because it's too dangerous? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's cool. Uh, I'll it's say cool. it, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, cool. I wouldn't buy it. <laughs> We're like, it's uh, still pretty. I mean, magic sick. wise, magic wise, it bends time and space, and that's cool. Like it, it, muggles are still trying to. It's do It's cool that. in theory. It's cool to read about in a fictional world. And also, I mean, in terms of the like, this is so silly, but the way they designed it in the movies and how I imagine the book it looks really cool. I love just it being this yeah. necklace. I love that. Yeah, you know, like the Delorean. It's a cool vessel yeah yeah i think it's a very popular merchandise item for that reason if if we could get one what would we pay to get one it should be very expensive like given its benefits yeah i'm not gonna feel good about using this if it's really cheap right (laughs) (laughs) yeah it needs to be a high quality like like you travel a couple hours back in time but when you get to the present you have different parents or something you're like what did i do i marty mcflight it you should also have to take like some sort of test or they have to like give you a background check or something to make sure you might not use it for oh. those nefarious purposes that micah mentions i mean i don't know they gave it to a 13 year old so but she had to have a lot of people sign off on it don't forget yeah, mcgonagall was like putting her career on the line for that so here's a device from book four that is kind of, I'm actually surprised how similar it is to the time turner. It's the Omnioculars. Uh, mm. You're not exactly going back in time, but you can replay time. We see this at the Quidditch World Cup. It's mostly used at the sporting event. You can do all sorts of, you basically see something in real time. You can slow it down. You can watch in like slow motion. So I don't know how that yeah. works because this it's not specifically video. It seems to be some kind of like reality bending viewpoint kind of thing. Um, but it's cool. This is trash. Oh, trash. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, 
we have replay, we have cell phones, we have cameras, DVR, TiVo. What does this do for you? But the, and I it also think goes it's backwards. super cool for that reason. Yeah. This would have been written, what, in 2000? So I think when it came out, we didn't really have mm. that. And it, I Good remember point. it being a lot cooler. And then I get like DVR and I'm like, okay, well. I, I, <laughs> <whatever>. <laughs> well, video killed the radio uh, instant replay in, in, in regular life uh, as, as killed the omniocular craze. Yeah, right. And now you goes. film something on Instagram and then it immediately replays it over and over <laughs> and over and over. And so you finally post it, <laughs> which is just like omnioculars. Uh, I will say for people who attend live sporting events, you don't necessarily get the live replays. Like as somebody who doesn't yeah. know anything about football, I need the TV version of football where they draw the lines and show me where the ball has to go and all that stuff. Right. Like, I know I just reveal like huge ignorance here, but I rely on that kind of a thing. And so omnioculars would be totally the thing that I'd pay a couple galleons for at the match yeah. to kind of figure out and also, and also replays, you know, when, when, when it, there's a tough play, when there's something close, uh, the ability to really look and see it for yourself from wherever you're sitting is a really cool feature that I don't think has been overwritten right now. You'd have people in the in the crowd throwing their omniocular, like, look at this. I got this replay, ref. I got the angle. <laughs> <laughs> it's a touchdown. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, good point, actually. You kind of turned me on it. I think it's cool now. I, I sort yeah. of, yeah. <laughs> okay. I, yeah, I I'm on team cool. I think it's cool for the functionality. I also think it's like an accessibility thing, too. Like, even if we were to you know, place this in modern times, people in the wizarding world aren't going to have smartphones. They're not going to work. So yeah, Micah, you're a sports guy. You have to like this. Yeah, uh, I, I know. I also in the movies, I always thought it was or sorry, in the books, it was always like a hit on the on the Weasleys. Like they're so high up and Harry has to buy these binoculars essentially to be able to see what's going on, even though it's a event that occurs mostly or all in the air. Right. That's a really good point. I'd never thought about the fact that they're in the nosebleeds should be a good thing. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it's actually it's probably one of the best seats to have. It's not terrible. Okay. Team decent. Not uh, cool. We're inventing a new team for Mike. Team decent. Team decent. Yeah. Team I. It's fine. Team I. <laughs> in terms of how much to pay, I'd say 30 to $50. That sounds about right. Sounds like a common he item. It's like 10 galleons, is that, or is it 30? Is it... He pays 10 galleons. Okay, he yeah. buys three, yeah. Okay, here is another uh, interesting gadget that I'm I'm calling a gadget. Uh, it's the Quick Quotes Quill that Rita Skeeter uses uh, to transcribe instantaneously uh, the Harry's side of the interview that she is giving him. We see it mostly in that one-on-one -on -one interview that uh, between Rita Skeeter and Harry Potter. and you know, kind of interesting. I think something that, you know, like transcribes a meeting would be all the rage on college campuses. If you're taking like lecture style notes, it would be amazing. The one thing that's kind of a knock against it, but maybe not, is it, it, it has a flourish to it. It kind of embellishes. I love it. Like that's a huge knock. Yeah. That's fake news. It is. It's literally. <laughs> I, that's why I love it. It's, it's so great to read it in the book. It's, that's why you love it. Well, I, yeah, that's a terrible thing. Don't get that on record. No, I just mean I love it as a <laughs> as a story like telling device where it's like this is how tabloids uh -huh. work. Like they're showing you in real time where you, yeah. Harry's getting a glimpse of what what she like the version she's writing as he speaks 
you know, I, I think it's one of my favorite chapters in the whole series is when they're in a closet, a broom closet. And yeah, this thing is, yeah. my eyes are it is a genius listening with the ghosts of my past. Oh, so good. <laughs> you know, I always <laughs> interpreted this as her quick quotes, Quill sort of like mimicking her personality. So maybe That's, not, yeah. maybe not all of these would behave in this way. Um, but kind of like, you know, various devices we see throughout the wizarding world have personalities of their own that kind of mimic the people they belong to. You know, we see this with wands, for example. Mm. Um, I can see a quick quotes quill really sort of melding its personality to its owner. So maybe a more honest journalist's quill wouldn't do this. I like that. And that, that it's almost like it's almost like autocorrect or whatever on your like your keyboard on your iPhone starts to sort of learn how you type things. And, you know, mm-hmm. and that's so it's sort of the same. It's personalized to you. Yeah. Yeah. Because of that, though, I can't figure out why when I type a certain word, my iPhone always autocorrects to duck. <laughs> I know. It's so <laughs> frustrating. <laughs> Apple doesn't believe in that other word, I guess. The best for me is ducking. I like yeah. that they're like, ducking's a word now. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, like I said, it also has just like uh, those implications in education. I'm going to say it's cool because I was like a note taker that could do with better notes. Um you know, yes. when you're writing notes, you're also doing it in kind of a shorthand and it's kind of 50-50 or in my case, 30-70, whether or not I'd be able to actually interpret what my shorthand was because I was trying to keep up with the speed of dialogue, of, of conversation. So that's kind of an issue. I'm going to say cool from definitely from a note taking perspective, so long as it's accurate. But if it's this Rita version where it's not <laughs> transcribing the truth, then it's a, a problem. Oh. Yeah. You'd have a lot of trouble, Andrew, on your exams. I mean, imagine the things it would write down. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yeah, I say cool with the with a huge caveat in the right hands. You know, not cool mm-hmm. in Alex Jones's hands, but maybe other people. Right. In, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna say cool just because I never write by hand anymore. So when I do find myself in a situation yeah. where I have to write by hand, like my hand cramps up really bad. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Yes. Me too. I'm glad I'm not alone. Yeah. Where's my keyboard? I can't take this anymore. <laughs> and what will we pay for it? It's a bucks. glorified pen. So fifty dollars. Let's do uh, the faux glass from book four. Here's an interesting one. It's a mirror, like a magic mirror. I wonder if that's the reference. Uh, it shows you who your enemies are, but apparently they're kind of foggy, uh, indistinguishable, like figures in the mirror until they are literally at your door. So it tells you who your enemies are. But in the case of Moody, uh, here's a quote from Goblet of Fire. Moody was thrown backward onto the office floor. Harry, still staring at the place where Moody's face had been, saw Albus Dumbledore, Professor Snape, and Professor McGonagall looking back at him out of the faux glass. He looked around and saw the three of them standing in the doorway. Uh, So, like... It's a not really a useful tool because by the time you see the whites of the eyes of your enemies, like <laughs> what? Yeah. What exactly was going on here with the faux glass? I mean, it's not unlike the sneakoscope. It's like, here comes your foes and you're, but <laughs> here they come. <laughs> da, da, da. I don't know. I could see this being useful if this was something Moody had in his office at the ministry when everything was kind of at the height of, of Voldemort's first run. You don't know who's loyal, who's using polyjuice, who's under an imperious curse, all sorts of things. So maybe it would be helpful in terms of 
showing who is truthful. Right. It makes sense for imposter Barty Crouch Jr. too, because like, I, I don't, maybe it doesn't work this way, but if his true foe is someone who's against him in that moment, then he knows he's like, he's kind of in trouble. But if Dumbledore is coming to his office and there's no shadow or whatever outline, that means Dumbledore yeah. doesn't realize he's bad yet, I guess. Oh, yes. Yeah, so it's more for what yeah. it doesn't He show. also has to yeah. play the part, too, Barty Crouch Jr. So right. having something like that in his office would make sense for Moody. The, the big thing for me from this scene always, and I know we've talked a lot about it over the years on the show, is, is that this is one of those first moments where you could go back to and say that Snape is, in fact, good. Yeah. Because he shows up as an enemy of Barty Crouch Jr. Good mm-hmm. point. But I think it could also be like the Quirrell thing where he rationalizes it as, I was against Quirrell because I thought he was doing it for selfish purposes. I wasn't trying to impede Voldemort's rise. Cool or not cool, guys? I'm going to say cool just because of how it could be helpful. Yeah, cool for me, but I would never really buy it. (laughs) I hope I don't need to. Right, yeah. yeah. I look into it and I see nothing because I have no enemies. That's right. I'm going to say not cool because I feel like it would make me extremely paranoid. It reminds me of like, you know how you can have um, like cameras to monitor your pet when you're not at home. I -hmm. had one of those for a while and I found that I was like obsessively checking it because it was there and I had the option to be like, oh, let me make sure the dog's not dead or some kind of crazy thing. (laughs) And and, like, it just made me more paranoid just to have it. So I think that it would not be good for me. I'm going to join Laura on Team Not Cool. I think it's it's by the time you can can make out who it is that's coming for you, it's too late. Any magical glass object in the Harry Potter series is probably not very good for you. The mirror mirror said, (laughs) drives you crazy. The personal gift from Sirius Black that you destroy immediately. Uh, right, yeah. <laughs> These are all that really trouble. had a chance at being cool, man. Yeah. I think it's cool, but I agree yes. with you. I don't think I would purchase it. Here's the next one that I don't think any of us could put a price on, the pensive. Yeah, it's just so dangerous. Again. Wait, wait, how is it dangerous though? Well, I just think revisiting memories can be very dangerous. It's not good from a mental health perspective. It is sort of mm. the, the BuzzFeed 90s articles of magic. <laughs> well, the, but I'm also thinking about like, let's say you're still hung up on a relationship or something and you're just like reliving those scenes over and over. Okay. Well, you don't. See you I'm sorry, guys. I'm going through a breakup right now. That's all I can think about. <laughs> you don't necessarily have to revisit your own memories, though. It can give you really interesting perspective on historical events, as we see in the book. So... I think it would be very cool. I'm already team cool on this. Are you going to go dig up George Washington and pull out a memory from his head and then- Were your teeth wooden or not? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, sadly, they weren't. Um, No, no, (laughs) awful. No. Um, I like, Andrew, how you went straight to digging up a dead body, though. I like that your your brain went there. <laughs> well, you said you want to remember history. Presumably, I don't know how you would do that. there would be a, a, um, like a Smithsonian of memories from ancient uh, wizards that were kept in vials. Ooh, you, you wouldn't that could have be to, fun. You wouldn't have to violate a grave, but you could go and maybe <laughs> check out. somebody right? else already did for you. <laughs> this would be a library of, you could check out a vial and then pour the vial into the on-site pensive and then go and look at history, like from historical figures. Like the, the implications are amazing. I'm firmly team cool. And, I, and I'd like to believe that although you could like eternal sunshine it and 
maybe have some unhealthy habits around relationships. I, I love that sort of implication. I'm mostly focused on how awesome it would be and how much good perspective you could get out of seeing yourself and how you behaved, but from a third person perspective. I think that could that could only bring you good insight. And to, to bring mm. up another 2000s romantic comedy, 500 Days of Summer, like the whole premise at the very end is that he was just remembering the good parts. And so right. there is like, you could argue there's something healthy about going back and going, oh, this wasn't as good a memory as I thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I don't remember this is how we first are introduced to the Penvis. The pensive, pensive, pensive. Anyway, uh, I remember that Dumbledore says something about how he's using it to actually free himself from, so he doesn't have to think about other things right now. And so he's actually oh. freeing up. And I really always lo- like, I, the older I get, the more I'm like, I would love to have a pensive just to like not think about these things right now so I can get through the rest of my day. So the, yeah, that aspect is of it's really cool. true. And Dave may have swayed me. Yeah, Eric, I, I liked what you said about the uh, the Smithsonian. Yeah. Um th- that that really is very cool. I just I don't know how hygienic it is for everybody to be dunking their face into the same uh <laughs> pool of water. Oh, they replaced uh, the water. I'm sure there's a workaround. It's sanitized after every use. Yeah. <laughs> and there's probably like okay. a buffer period. Yeah, it's actually a tub of Purell that you stick <laughs> your head into. <laughs> it would burn the eyes cuz it would be so high. <laughs> You're like screaming in the Purell. <laughs> Oh, but look at this memory. But ah! <laughs> no, I mean, just wear a mask and think you'd be fine. Yeah, yeah, but but it would be you can't. I, I, although I guess we should say memories can be altered, so maybe it wouldn't be the the uh, cinema verite of 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 the Wizarding World. But we'll, we'll, you know, no big deal. I think it's cool. Uh, anybody say not cool? No, I still think it's dangerous, but I still think it's cool. That's cool. Cool. And what would we pay for it? I could I could see a common household pensive going for something like, let's see, more than a dish disposal, more than a, <laughs> trying to think of other household appliances. Maybe, oh, I was going to go. This thing is probably worth at least a couple hundred grand. A couple Whoa! hundred grand. A couple hundred grand. Well, nobody's going to be able to. I was going to say it, a couple I think thousand. That's right. No, Jeez. I think he's right. Yeah. I, yeah. This is not something that you could just have as a standard household item. Yeah, and like Laura said with the time turner, you you want a high quality pensive. And I think uh, everyone should be able to, you know, utilize this sort of a thing. I think I think it would be less than a car. I think it would be less than 20 grand. That would be awesome. I well, before I forget, I I, I just remembered this. There was it was not a Smithsonian thing, but it was a sort of museum deal where they had a bunch of directors create this experience where you were on the Mexico US border. And they put you in this dark room and they put a backpack on you and they put headphones and an Oculus type thing on you. And you're the only person. They did it one person at a time. And there was like 50 feet in front of you and you had to be barefoot and you're walking in the sand. And it was a fully acted short film with like 20 or 22 actors all doing different things at once as they were trying to attempt to cross the border. It was really intense. And I remember thinking, this is the pensive experience. And it was I was trying to treat it as if, because I'm the Harry Potter fan that I am, I was trying to treat it as if I were Harry walking through memories and like, remember how he would go sit next to different people and different, yeah, and like, yeah. And, if, and focus on what individual people were doing. This was the same idea where all these actors had different roles and even if they weren't speaking, they were supposed to be doing something. It went on forever. It was, it was like very emotional too. So I, I don't know. I basically huh. what I'm saying is the experience already kind of exists and it's really amazing. We have four gadgets left to talk about. Uh, also from book four, but also in book seven, Wormtail's Silver Hand. 
The reason I call this a gadget is because it's kind of like it functions as if it's a prosthetic hand, but it's also got very magical properties to it um, and presumably some sentience. So I think it's a gadget. It's a gadget, right? I think so. It's silver, so it's like metal. and Yeah. It doesn't kill werewolves, though. We thought that that was going to be a thing. I remember that. I think that was in the, the what will happen in book seven book. Yeah. Like yeah. It's uh, it's very Darth Vader-y. Mm. I'm going to say team not cool because there's something homicidal about this. And I just don't. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't need that in my life. Like, why would I pay for something that might kill me? Not cool and extremely dangerous. Yeah, it, it does not. It has a different autonomy. Like Wormtail doesn't have full control over it. So that is highly problematic. You never want to buy a device that does not work as designed, right? So that's not cool. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I also think maybe part of the reason I would say not cool, but also because outside of the obvious event where, you know, Peter Pettigrew's arm stops himself, he doesn't really use it. (laughs) Like, does he? I mean, I remember a couple instances where they, but he doesn't seem to. Don't we see it first? Doesn't he crush like. That's the first thing he does. And I was like, that's awesome. And then never again. (laughs) It's it's really sold really well at first. He crushes something into bone or something into dust. Yeah. And then again, like that's basically it for the hand outside of the. No, because the next time we see him in book six, he's serving tea. Like it's like, you don't need a, you don't need a silver hand to do that. Like if you had a silver (laughs) hand, like you'd be competing in strength competitions, arm wrestling, you know, you'd be doing all sorts of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. But, so Wormtail underuses the device he has. Yeah. So I'm also on Team Wormtail, not cool. Yeah, <laughs> it's basically like a monitoring device for for Pettigrew, right? But once he essentially is willing to betray Voldemort, even if he doesn't realize it, it kills him. So that's not cool. Yeah, that's honestly true. It's presented as sort of a reward to Wormtail for years of service, but ultimately, it is just a tracker. It's just a, it's just a, an ankle monitor that does will be- kill you. <laughs> does it become a little rat paw when he trans when he transforms back into? <laughs> <laughs> now that would be cute. <laughs> if it didn't, you'd just have a, a rat with like a human a giant. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why we don't see him infiltrate anything as a rat in the later books because when he transforms, it doesn't, and he can't like run away. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> Um, okay, this one is a short one. Uh, from book five, it's mentioned in when they go and sit their owls that a banned device that you can't take in is an auto answer quill. And what it is uh, described to do is that the quill automatically answers a question that is asked in its presence. This would always give you the right answer on a quiz on a written test. Right. This is amazing. So I kind of had an item like this. Um, <laughs> really? I took a history of rock and roll class, and I cheated by using Shazam during the listening portion of the test. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and it always Man. gave me the right answer. Yeah. I, I'm i 10 years removed from that test, so I'm comfortable coming <laughs> the clean The statute of limitations has, has lifted right. on, they can't on that prosecute test. You. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, but that said, you know, even though I am a cheater and shame on me, uh, I think this is a very bad item. Right, Laura, the teacher? <laughs> uh, yeah. To be used in the context of a classroom, yes, this would be a really bad uh, item. I would not allow mm-hmm. it. But I think overall, it could be really useful. I mean, it's kind of like 
Siri. It's like a voice assistant. Like you can very easily oh. get quick information if needed. Ooh, okay. You know, as a a Google Pen. Yeah, like as long as it's not used for cheating, I think it's fine. What would we pay for an auto answer quill? This is kind of like carrying a calculator into math class, right? Like so, mm. just as an assistant. Pay. Yeah, but but does it have Block Dude on it or whatever the other games were? Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> does it upgrade automatically or just knows? That's that's the weird thing. Magically, it has to pretty much be omniscient and know everything in order. That's to... an interesting question, though, because like if you know, for instance, if a Nimbus two thousand could upgrade to a two thousand one, probably not. That's why you buy a new one, or you know what I mean. Like it's just yeah. a spell on a broomstick for the most. Except in the movies, it's like an entirely different broomstick. But still, I, I did I did leave broomsticks off this overall list, but I recognize that they're very similar, and also. They they have multiples like spells and charms and enchantments on them that keep like the Quidditch through the Ages book actually details all the various like types of things you need to worry about when doing a broomstick. So brooms are cool. Well, mm-hmm. and here's the other thing: is it just short answer or is it is it longer form answer? Because I feel like this would be great for Ron doing homework. Ah, flashcards. I have to think though, if he was using that on homework assignments, his teachers would totally know. <laughs> like you just have to, so like as That's a fair. as a former teacher, if I got something turned in that was plagiarized, it's like a, an alarm bell just goes off in your head, and you know, right? You got to be smart about it. You got to incorrectly answer some of the questions so they don't catch on. <laughs> <laughs> or Ron would have had to do it from day one, so that everyone, every teacher thought his long answer essays just had that voice of like pure truth right. coming out, of and they're like, why, like. In class, he just seems so different from his homework <laughs> assignments. Well, let's uh, let's move on to decoy detonators. Uh, this is the first gadget we're talking about to come from Weasley's Wizard Weasley's Joke Shop. And it is a weird looking black hooter type object that when dropped will scurry off and make a loud noise just out of sight. Uh, also, even when not in use, a decoy detonator will attempt to do this. Though without setting off a noise, I don't know what that's about. It's just these things hop around and create distractions, and it's good for getting out of class. <laughs> oh, that is the original purpose. I forgot the original. Yeah, purpose. or make or making your life more interesting. <laughs> Obviously, the trio use these to great effect in Deathly Hallows, and especially the movie really captures the weird-looking black hooter type object. I was like, "What is this? It's like a little horn with like those legs that you wind up. It's almost like a wind-up toy." Yeah. You see these a lot in video games, like the new Spider-Man game. Oh, yeah. I'm going to say cool, because sometimes you got to sneak around, you know? Yeah, and... team cool, because I'm not, I'm not a very subtle person, and I'm also kind of clumsy, so I feel like if I, I were in a situation where I needed to be stealthy, I would need to depend on something being just, like, really loud and attention-grabbing so that I could get by. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Doesn't Harry set this off in the ministry, too, and, and it's also some sort of fog that gets created yeah yeah i think you're right that's more effective to me than just making a lot of obnoxious noise but yeah i i think they're cool but i i don't really see the use for them in this day and age like i i don't know what they're ultimately gonna do for you i think i just make my dog crazy so i'm already (laughs) as with any decision in my life now i go well i can't have that it's my dog i can't have this magical object (laughs) i I feel like also the the hand of glory is more effective too like that feels like a the same thing but way i don't know 
cooler. That's yeah, that's kind of an mm-hmm. interesting yeah, that's an interesting point. I'm gonna say cool because I could see this being helpful. Okay. Um I don't know where I'd use it. Uh but I'm not willing to say it's not cool, so I'm gonna go team cool. I'm gonna say not cool for for my dog who just made a weird noise. Your I dog think that was a confirmation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Before we get to our final gadget of the day, we have our final sponsor of the day, Usual Wines. Join me and my love for a good red this time of year by checking them out. Usual Wines are for the modern drinker. Each bottle from Usual Wines is 6.3 ounces. That's a heavy pour or about a glass and a half of wine. Because of the single-serve format and bottle design, Usual is always fresh, meaning no more flat bubbly or stale rosé. Usual has a red blend of rosé and a sparkling white wine called Brut. They take winemaking very seriously. The wines come from California's Sonoma County, and they have no additives. On their site, you can read about the location, the soil, and the grapes they use to create a perfect wine. I have been obsessed with their red blend recently. It is just so good. And the single-serve glass bottles, they look like science speakers, which is so fun to have in the fridge and, of course, to hold and drink. Usual Wines have a special holiday product, which was just released, Usual Reserve. This is their most special wine yet. Hailing from one of the most celebrated plots of land in all of Napa, California, this Cabernet Sauvignon is concentrated and rich with just enough grip. Gift it to someone special or keep it all for yourself. Go check out their website at usualwines.com and use our discount code MuggleCast for $8 off your first order and try your first glass on us. Again, visit usualwines.com and use our discount code MuggleCast for $8 off your first order and try your first glass on us. And that leads us to the last uh, gadget that we'll be talking about. Listeners can, of course, submit more that we didn't talk about. Maybe we'll bring a new discussion back later. But uh, we mentioned this at the top of the show, Hermione's beaded bag. I call it a gadget. I want to know why she didn't just throw Harry in there when things got (laughs) a little hairy. I agree. He'd still have to fit through the... Well, I guess you wouldn't because a book won't fit. I my my I was thinking that if you could fit through the original, like the initial draw, like a, cause yeah. a book could fit in the bag, but like anything bigger couldn't. Harry has yeah. broad shoulders. He couldn't fit in there. <laughs> I, I agree with Laura, though. Uh, it, it speaks to Hermione's preparedness as, as they get ready to go out in, in Deathly Hallows. And it's just really amazing all the things that she is able to put inside of that bag. And I think yeah. this is a... This is one of the the top items, Eric, uh, that that you kind of put together for today. I think it's worth a ton of money. It's very cool. And just think how much money it would save you when you're flying. You don't have to bring multiple bags. You just bring uh, one carry-on. Oh, my sister. That could have been her 18th birthday present. <laughs> a single bag. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't pay baggage fees because I fly Southwest, so I don't know what you guys are talking about. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, I, I think that you could probably make them on the cheap too, right? Because it's it, presumably it's just an extension charm, which Hermione, mm-hmm. I think they learn those in like, they they at, at some point it's it's got to be easy magic. Like if you can master an extension charm, you get a regular old carpet bag or handbag of any size, put an extension charm in it and boom, you've got like a ton of storage. Yeah. I always like to think about, I think it's in the books or it's somewhere that in order to create that extra space, you have to, there's like, it's like a physics law in here in the magical world that that space has to come from somewhere. <laughs> so I just like the idea that there's like storage containers somewhere that actually are holding all this stuff or I don't know. I just, that always cracked me up that there's like, there is a space somewhere, even if it's literally an outer space where all this stuff is actually being kept. Yeah. That's right. really interesting. It, it's almost a pre, well, 
I guess precursor is not the right word because it happens technically from a timing standpoint after Fantastic Beasts, but it is kind of like Newt's suitcase. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it, we see extension charms in anything from Newt's suitcase to even the car that they get from the ministry uh, to take them all to King's Cross that one day where it's like basically looks like a car on the outside. But when you go in, it's got like bench seating. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah. we do the, see the, them use the night bus has a bit of that going on too. Yeah. yeah. Oh, the night bus. Absolutely. Yeah. As well as like a outward flexibility agent where they can like get squished and not feel it. Yeah. So were we all team cool on yeah. the beaded bag? Yeah. This is Very definitely cool. Team cool. I, I also think about like going to the movies. This would be so convenient. Like, I don't know if I'm the only one who does this here, but I don't buy concessions at the movies. Oh, I do it too. Yeah. 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 I know what and you're so like yeah. having a way to like, very stealthily get into the theater without bringing a backpack (laughs) being like no i just carry this backpack with me everywhere full of snacks like that would be very cool yeah i'm team cool as well for sure but what would we pay to have one so i would uh, pay a lot because it would it, it would just be so helpful yeah in almost any situation really yeah yeah oh god if you're if you're hiking over a hundred yeah, I mean, think about it, if you're hiking, you can have all your tent and all your gear and supplies. Oh, yeah. Uh, but it wouldn't weigh as much as all those items because it would just weigh what, whatever the bag weighs on the outside. Perfect. I'd say a couple hundred. Yeah, 500 maybe? Uh, 600, 700? I don't have the money Six. really at all, but I would pay like like 10 grand if I – like I think it's worth that amount if I had it. <laughs> Just think of how much it would save you in baggage fees. It would pay Ex- for itself. Unless you're flying southwest, Eric. So I wonder if I wonder if this is the most valuable item that we talked about. But the pensive was like twenty grand though, right? Or more. You said you Somebody said, said like hundreds of thousands. You said hundreds yeah. of thousands of okay. So behind the pensive, it's interesting to be like the beaded bag. But most really most useful, I think you could call this. Yeah. Yeah, very practical. There's something very practical about it. Mm-hmm. Well, that uh, I think concludes our discussion on gadgets. Thanks. Great. Everyone. Yeah. Yeah, that was fun. Okay, so it is time now for Quizage. Last week's question, what is the first thing Harry ever buys in Diagon Alley? This was in regards to, we were talking about Diagon Alley and buying things, particularly fan-made things on last week's episode. The correct answer is his robes. His Hogwarts robes. Right after leaving Gringotts, Hagrid sends Harry to buy his robes. So the correct answers were submitted by Bort Voldemort, Billy Reardon, Jason King, and Chelsea Bromley. Congrats, everyone. No Count Ravioli? Where's No Count Ravioli okay. this time? All right. I just told her before this that I was doing the MuggleCast podcast, so that's hilarious. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> Yeah, she's her. She's married to another friend of mine. Who do, he runs the 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 Steakums TikTok account. Actually, oh, so. the Steakums TikTok. That's like oh, the best my account wow. of all time. Yeah, what this is yeah, really world. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, Count Ravioli did not participate. Where in the world is Count Ravioli? We miss you. Come back to us. Anyway, next week's question. After the first task, what? Does George hear when Harry opens the golden egg? This one's a fun one. Submit your answer to us over on Twitter at MuggleCast with hashtag Quizich. 
If you have any feedback about today's gadget discussion, you can email MuggleCast at gmail.com or use the contact form on MuggleCast.com or send us a voice memo so we can hear you. Just use the voice memo app on your phone and then email that file to MuggleCast at gmail.com or you can call us 1920-3-BUNGLE. That's 1920-368-4453. Dave, thanks so much for coming on today. It was awesome having you. Guys, thank you so much. I... I did my best to to contribute with but but also i was in awe like it's like you're inside of one of your favorite movies so it's my own pensive Aww. so thank you this, is, this has you been know? great yeah i'd love to come back it, uh, it, we it, would it, love it, to it, have yeah. you back hell yeah yeah <laughs> every week i'm just kidding no but please let me know check out dave's tiktoks yes. check them out over obviously on tiktok they're also on twitter he threaded them all also, if you're looking for an introduction into the first hundred something TikToks, check out the episode of my podcast. Thank you for spilling where Dave was on. He was kind enough to join us. But we go through the narrative and the thoughts behind all of his old TikToks. So it, super, it was super a lot cool. of fun. You've and, done and like we... 200 since then, dude. You will not stop. <laughs> no, I can't stop. Won't We're stop. so outdated. We're the Miley so outdated. Cyrus of TikToks. Sorry, <laughs> he can't stop uh he dave stop. what's your username on twitter and tiktok twitter it's easy it's just at dave jorgensen j-o-r-g-e-n-s-o-n uh and then i it's actually the same i do have my own personal account on tiktok that i've like barely <laughs> used uh <laughs> but i had to start it because i have a I have a book coming out next year so i'm excited Whoa. to use it as a oh yeah my and gosh. i was i was telling eric if you tickle the spine it, it starts dancing like a tiktok for 15 seconds and, <laughs> oh nice something like that yeah um but uh no but the 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 bulk of the tiktoks are at washington post and every weekday i post two sometimes three so there's you know by the end of the week there's 10 to 15 tiktoks there that yeah, um, awesome. are both informative and sometimes just very silly so what a job take a look that yeah. is so cool it's not bad <laughs> <laughs> cool so thanks again dave it was it was really awesome and thanks for listening to MuggleCast all these years i'm glad we connected of course uh, and we'll have links to dave's uh washington post tiktok and his personal twitter in today's show notes can also follow us i mean we're not as big of a deal as dave on social media but we are MuggleCast on uh, twitter instagram and facebook thanks everybody for listening to today's episode we'll be back next week with one more episode for 2020 i'm andrew i'm eric i'm micah i'm laura and i'm dave <laughs> you are. Well you did it. You're well one of us one of us <laughs> oh my god <laughs> <laughs>